Amen, amen. Hey, we, how we doing today, church? How we doing, moms? We having a good Mother's Day? Um, man, it's great to be together. Anybody thankful to be gathering with the people of God in Salt Lake City, Utah? It's a powerful thing when the people of God get together. I don't know how you were doing when you walked in here 34 minutes ago, but things change when the people of God get together, amen? Because God is a good father, that's who the scripture reveals him as, and so the cool thing about good fathers is they actually love to be with their kids, and so when the kids get together, father shows up, and that is the open door that we have in Jesus to know God um, and to know him as our father, and so just excited, glad to be together. I am... yeah, honestly, uh, I don't, this isn't a part of my notes, just feel led to share this real quick, but uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, spent the first 20 years of my life um, trying to figure out God and life on my own, didn't do a very good job, ended up in a frat in college uh, looking for life in all the wrong places, and as a 19-year-old freshman in college, hit rock bottom, surrendered my life to Jesus, said, God, if there's more to life, I need to find it. He said, if you come looking for me, you will find me. And uh, it changed the rest of my life. I dropped out of my frat, surrendered my life to Jesus, started reading the Bible daily. And that was about 20 years ago. And um, I share that because um, for me, not growing up with a family that showed, or I guess a family that, that led me into a knowledge of God, um, when I came to God in college, I found family here. I found family in the church. And the the New Testament, before I even knew this, the New Testament reveals the church as the household of God. So if you hear us using language like, oh, well, in in this house, we da-da-da, because that is the New Testament revelation of what the church is, what Jesus came to establish. He didn't come just to wash you of your sin and and rescue you from from death and hell and all those things. He, He did that. He actually did that by adopting you and putting you into the family of God. And you get, you get put into a new family where literally it's through connection with not just the father, but through connection with the brothers and sisters that you actually have a chance of a different kind of life than you had in the frat house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, it, honestly, so I love the church. Uh, when the church is being who the Bible has called her to be and functioning the ways the Bible has called her to function, the church is the most beautiful, powerful, life-giving, life-transforming, healing agent on the planet. Because when the church is rightly built together, the Word of God teaches that God dwells there. And man, if you're going somewhere or if you're hanging out with a group of people where God's showing up, you're in a good crowd because, man, when he shows up, anything is possible. Anything can change. Man, I'm super excited to just honor our moms again today. Um, gosh, I, my wife, Arlena, I'm going to honor my wife, but just kind of as like a, a, a portal to speaking to the glory of all women, okay? Because I just happen to live closest to this one. Uh, we have five kids, um, and I am blown away by motherhood. I, I, I am absolutely blown away by the daily thankless job of sacrifice that is motherhood. I mean, isn't it sort of sad that I've thought about this often, watching Arlena, mother our kids, like you don't remember, most of us, we don't remember like, like any of life before six, right? 
Like, do you remember being two and getting your diaper changed? Probably not, right? Most of us, isn't that sad? Like, we don't even remember most of the years where our moms were, like, sacrificing the most for us. It is this, it's a sad reality, but it kind of highlights the power of motherhood. Literally, moms laying everything down for ones that don't even have the capacity much less the awareness to say thank you. Oh man, if that isn't Jesus, if motherhood is not a picture of Jesus, are you, moms, come on. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And I don't know of a more powerful and profound earthly picture of the humility of Jesus and the heart of Jesus to serve than motherhood. So moms, we honor you today. And regardless of maybe how your relationship with your mom is, I know coming in to a day to like today, it's all across the board. But regardless, um, if she was even just present, she laid her life down for you and is, is deserving of thanks and honor. So um, make sure to, to pick up that phone tonight if you haven't done it yet today, all right? So one of the things that um, I just want to share on that note is next week, we're actually, uh, we have kind of a, Shannon may have mentioned it, I was in the back walking around, I'm not sure, but we have kind of a, every house, we talk about the church being the house of God, every house is built off of a Uh, of a blueprint, like a set of plans, right? Construction workers come on side to build a house and they don't just get creative for the day, right? They're there not making decisions. They're there executing plans, you know what I mean? And so the church, uh, I believe, should be very similar. We don't come and we, we don't come and build the church the way we want to. We come, we have been given a blueprint, a set of plans, which is the word of God, and we build off of what he has asked us to build, right? It's his house. We're building it after his desires. And so we have kind of a cultural guiding set of principles here in this church called the blueprint. If you go to our website, Shannon mentioned it, you can see all of the pillars. Right now there's nine pillars or nine foundations of the, of the house that, we would, that we're trying to partner to see built in this city. And in honor of our moms and Mother's Day and just some things that we feel like God's inviting us into as a family, we're adding a 10th blueprint pillar next week, just to give you a little teaser, we're adding the blueprint pillar of service. So really in honor of you moms and this this Christ-like humility of not living your life to be served, but living your life to serve, um, come back next Sunday. We're not deep diving it now, but I think it's a really powerful building block for what God is inviting us into in the future. Cool? So we've been in a fun season. It's called Those Who Dream. You guys been enjoying this series? Has God been stirring your faith? Has God been stirring your faith? We've been talking about this season. We're in a season of returning to the dreams of God, all right? We've been saying it like this. We're in a season of rising from the disappointments 
of yesterday and daring to dream again for the God appointments of tomorrow. As the world shakes around us, we understand, church, do you understand that we have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken? And so even as the world shakes around us, we're moving forward in a season of shaking to see his kingdom established in us, through us, and around us. That's actually what we've been invited into as sons and daughters of God is to experience the restoration of God personally and then to join him. One of my favorite writers says it like this, as wounded healers, we experience the restoration and healing of God in our own lives and then we get to partner with him to see that restoration come into the world around us. This is who God is. It is what he does. He is a restorer. He's a restorer. Check it out. Psalm 126 has kind of been an anchor passage for us. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. That's where we're getting this phrase from, those who dream. Notice restoration happens and we start dreaming again. And we start dreaming again. Dreams are, have to do with our future. It has to do with our hope. And I know a lot of us over the last couple of years, our hope has been attacked. Can I get an amen? Your peace has been attacked. Your joy over, about the future, your, maybe your, your outlook on your future has been under attack. It's been a rough couple of years. But we believe that there's a time for us of restoration, that God is restoring something. Restoration comes, then dreaming comes, then our mouth was filled with laughter. Check it out. Our tongues with shout of joy. On the other side of restoration, on the other side of beginning to dream with God again, we begin to see the joy of the Lord come back into our lives. How many could use a little bit more of that? I'm not going to make any more jokes about how grumpy y'all look this afternoon. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, but seriously, has your joy been under attack the last couple of years? I mean, I know I'm not the only one. You know, it has been hard. But there's a place, restoration, dreaming, joy. And then look at this, proclamation. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And I believe that just in these couple of verses, there's a roadmap for us. And so we're going to continue to move forward in this season together. And, and even if maybe you're not feeling the restoration yet, okay, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep opening our hearts and saying, Lord, restore us. But this week as we were praying as a team, we really sensed an invitation for us. We've been talking a lot. If, if you haven't been here the last three, four weeks, I encourage you, if this is your church family, podcast the messages and listen to what God's been speaking because there are big dreams that God is inviting us into for this city. Things that are, we would define a dream as something that is on God's heart and as his sons and daughters, we are trying to tune in and say, God, the world is shaking, but you're on the move. What are you saying for Salt Lake City? What are you wanting to do through your family in this city, Lord? What are the dreams on your heart? Look, we're really used to dreaming our own dreams, right? I mean, I bet right now I could just call on anybody in the room, get ready, I'm about to do it, all right? I'm just kidding. But I could call on any, be like, oh, what's your dream, man? What are you dreaming? What, what are you studying? What are you, are you you're going back to school? What's your dream five years from now? We're really good at dreaming our own dreams. It's a powerful thing when we start to say, okay, God, I've got some of my dreams. That's cool. But I'm going to put those on the shelf right beneath your dreams, right? It's not that God doesn't care about our dreams, but it's just a powerful thing when we put our dreams underneath his. 
and we say, yours first, Lord, yours first. If my dreams happen on the tail end, great, but what are yours? And then it's really fun when your dreams and God's dreams actually begin to marry and become the same thing. And this is really what we're leaning into today, that we feel a, a, a leading for this Sunday to pause on talking about the dreams and make sure that we are eyes fixed on the giver of dreams. We want to keep moving forward, but we have to make sure that we're focused not on the dreams themselves, but on the giver of the dreams himself. Our obsession cannot be with what God is doing or what he's inviting us into. Our obsession must be with God alone. And so, Check this out in Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4, just kind of anchoring us back in this. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend or cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. It's this simple. When we delight in him, when we delight in the Lord, his desires become our desires. It's kind of like a, a, the illustration that's kind of in my mind is, is in marriage. Just wave at me if you're married. Okay, there are things that... Okay, let's just pick on Shannon and Jackson, okay? Okay, Shannon was up here leading us. They're both, Jackson, actually, if you didn't know, this is on our volunteer staff. So just to honor this guy, he gives of his time and effort. He leads our production team, literally week in and week out, doesn't get paid a dime. He just does it because God's called him to. He's faithful and he cares about the kingdom of God in Salt Lake City. So you guys, how, how long y'all been married? Six years, okay. So this cool thing happens in marriage where when you begin to delight in somebody else, okay, when you begin to grow in that partnership of marriage and delight in your spouse, then something that you never cared about but your spouse cares about now becomes something that you care about. You see what I'm saying? There are dreams, desires that Shannon has that I'm sure a good seven years ago, Jackson could have cared less about. But as Jackson has delighted himself Self in her and in their marriage has loved her, desires that Shannon carries are now desires that Jackson has borrowed. It's a part of their relationship. And so actually, this is what we're leaning into. When we delight in him, his desires, he puts desires in our hearts. It's not saying, hey, delight yourself in the Lord and he's going to give you everything you want. I think he's saying stay close to the Lord and the things that his heart breaks for will become the things that your heart beats for, right? And then you hand them right back to them. You commit those back to the Lord, and then he acts, right? And this, the, the Passion Translation in Psalm 25, 14, check this out. It says, there's a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh, where they sit near him. Somebody say, near him. And they receive the revelation secrets of his promises. Isn't that cool? There's a private place. They're kind of what this Sunday is about is saying, church, let's not get distracted on the dreams. Let's make sure we're, we're refocusing on the dream giver. There's a private place as we delight in the Lord, as we walk with God, as we draw near him, where he reveals things to us. Who do, you tell your, who do you tell your secrets to? 
Who do you trust with your, with your treasured knowledge, your secret things about you? Who do you entrust your secrets to? Your spouse or your friends? Okay, family members, close family members. Look, do you think that God just is gonna blurt out the secret dreams and desires of his heart to anybody? He, is, he speaks them into the place of trust and friendship and intimacy. He shares the desires of his heart. And so we're, we're going to take a step back today from dreams and make sure that we're anchored as a community in this secret place of seeking God. And so today really is going to be very practical teaching for about the next, we got about 20 minutes, a very practical teaching on how to sit near him, how to sit near him, how to stay anchored close to him and make sure that he is our pursuit, not his dreams. It just felt like a pause button. We've been pushing forward. We've been moving forward. We're still going after dreams. In the next couple weeks, I hope you're here because they're going to be exciting. And God is inviting us into some really cool things. But this week felt like, hey, hey, let's pause and make sure that he is our pursuit, not his dreams. As we delight in him, he reveals to us what he's up to, and he invites us into partnership with him, and that partnership with him is from a place of connection to him. Is that making sense? Let me paint a picture like this. So I remember when my oldest son, Caleb, was about three or four years old. He's eight now. We had this great little back porch where I would get up in the morning back in Texas, and we would, uh, that's where I would spend my morning time with God. I'd set my alarm. I'd get up early. I had a group of friends when I first started walking with God in college. I mentioned I came out of the frat house and started following Jesus. I had a group of friends that told me early on that it was really important in my relationship with God, to get alone with God. To get alone with God daily if possible. And to me, it was simple. I didn't really need a lot of convincing to practice that, to start practicing getting alone with God because I saw it in the life of Jesus. And I thought, well, if Jesus, right, needed to be alone with God daily to then go out and live his life and overflow in God's love and kingdom, then if he needed that, of course I needed that right? And so early on, about 20 years ago, I began to practice that. And it's been my normal routine. And we're not perfect, but in the Pletcher home, my kids know when they wake up in the morning, they're going to find mom and dad sitting down by the fireplace, worship music's playing, Bible's open. And that is what they have woken up to for their entire lives. Again, not perfect, but my kids know that we seek first the kingdom of God. And that's, it's a daily discipline. And so I'm on the back porch and Caleb wakes up. He's three, maybe four years old. And he just knew daddy was going to be on the back porch. And this season, it was the back porch. And our season now, it's the fireplace. He goes to the back porch. He finds me. I'm out there, got worship music playing on my phone or whatever. And he crawls up into my lap and, and he would just sit there. Sun's coming up and, and it just, oh, what a cool picture. He's starting his day sitting in daddy's lap sitting there, you know, worship music's playing. I'm telling him how much I love him, and I'm just, he starts his day just sitting near me, experiencing my love, experiencing my comfort, 
We'd go inside after a little while, eat some breakfast, play around. On that particular day, it was a Saturday, and I had some yard work planned. And so I go out, and I start raking up. It's like the end of winter, and I'm like raking out the dead grass in my backyard. And I'm raking it in these little piles. And after a few minutes, Caleb emerges, again, four years old maybe, emerges from the house, and without me even inviting him or asking him, he comes and starts working with me. He, and and at, at a four-year-old kid, he's going around the yard and he's picking up these little piles of grass and putting them into buckets and he's legitimately impacting my work at four years old. But w- what a cool picture. It hit me like a ton of bricks. He started his day snuggling in my lap, resting in my presence, sitting near me. And then he went out into his day and worked alongside of me. You see that? Not because I asked him to, he just wanted to stay close to daddy and be a part of what daddy was doing. And we've been talking about the last few weeks. God is doing a lot. Father God is on the move. We might not always be aware of it. We might not always be in tune with it, but he's moving. He's seeking and saving the lost. He is near to the brokenhearted, the down and out, downtrodden. He is serving the least. He is on the move. And there's an invitation for us to join him. We call it co-laboring. The Bible calls it co-laboring to work alongside our Father in heaven. It is actually what you were made for. It's the most satisfying, fulfilling. It's better than your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your dream job, your next raise, whatever you think you were made for. It comes second, third, fourth, or just way down the list to co-laboring with your heavenly father and what he's up to. And, but, but the invitation, though, like Caleb at four years old, is that we, we do that from a place we sit before we serve. But look, we all have a bent. Some of us are much better at sitting, at being peaceful, at being restful. If that's you, praise God, it's not me, all right? And some of us just love to move. I mean, I can't preach without moving, right? We love, like, be productive. We're always on the move. We're always on the go, right? And we want to see things change and improve. But the reality is that with God, we're made for both. We all have our bent, but we're made for both, Stay with me right here, and then we're going to jump into God's Word and see two women that capture this picture for us perfectly in the Word of God. Look at this. Our doing for God is meant to be the overflow of our being with God. I'm going to say it again. Our doing for God, or you could say our doing with God, is meant to be the overflow of our being with God. We're, we're human beings, We're not human doings. It is in our being with God that we overflow into our doings with God. And so we're going to go today to Luke 10, all right? Luke 10, 38 through 42. You probably knew I was going here, all right? But we're going to look at these two amazing women in Scripture, Mary and Martha. This Sunday, I am calling Martha's Day, not Mother's Day. No, sorry, man, I messed up the joke. It's Mary's Day. It was not a predetermined joke. Sorry, that was not a fly. Um, I'm calling Mary's Day. 
Today is Mary's day, all right? Come back next Sunday, it's gonna be Martha's day. All right, we're gonna look at these two women over the next two weeks. And we're gonna make sure that as a community, we are sitting first before we're serving Okay, we're going to make sure that we are doubling down on sitting at the feet of Jesus and growing in connection with him before we're going out to serve and do the things that he's put on our hearts. Are you with me? Check it out. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Okay, so stop right there. Maybe you've glazed over the story before or read through it quickly, but it was Martha's house. She welcomed him in. Praise God. What a woman, what a humble woman to open her doors and say, Jesus, come on in. She had the gift of hospitality, which by the way, the Bible teaches is a spiritual gift. If you love hosting parties, you love welcoming people into your house, that's part of how God has made you. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing when you are gifted by God to welcome people into your house. And that's not just your home. That is this house. And I want you guys to know, if you have that gift of hospitality in your life, you need to go hang out and talk to Shannon. She's our connections director. And we've got about five people right now, week in and week out, that are a part of our welcoming in and out of this house. And if you've got that hospitality gift and you love to do that, please go talk to Shannon. Because it's not just our homes, it's this house of God where we get to welcome people in and out. But see, this was Martha. She welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who I guess was hanging out that day, right? It's like when you go to somebody else's house, it's really easy to just sit down and chill. At your house, be honest. You're like, oh my gosh, I gotta clean it up in here. I mean, this is me. At my house, I'm like, uh, people come sit in my living room. I'm gonna tidy this up real quick. It's like, I care. This is my space and I'm trying to make this nice. I'm welcoming people into my house. That's what Martha was doing. She was like, uh, we gotta make this house nice for people. You go sit at somebody else's house. You're not nearly as crazy when you're sitting in your own house. Come on, you with me? You're like just chilling. Like you don't even care that it's messy, you know? You're not even thinking about it. This is not my house. I'm just chilling. You know, so this is what's going on with these two ladies. And Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him. So she goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my lazy sister is sitting at your feet? And that doesn't say that. I threw that in there. She's sitting at your feet and has left me to serve alone? She goes to Jesus and says, will you tell her to help me? It's hilarious, these two sisters. I love them both. It's it's hilarious. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. Man, isn't it so cool when Jesus can just cut through all of our stuff and just tell us exactly where we are and what we're struggling with, right? He's so kind. He's not being a jerk. He's like, hey, you are anxious, girl. You are troubled about many things, But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I want you to know, I have every intention over the next couple weeks to honor both of these women and teach this balance, because I think Martha has unnecessarily gotten a bad rap for a long time. I think that Jesus met Martha in the unsanctified version, which just means the unrefined version of her hospitality and her desire to serve. 
But after being around Jesus, Martha, I believe her serve gifts, we'll talk about more of that next week, was actually refined from a place of peace. But later in the Gospels, we still see Martha serving. Jesus isn't telling everybody that has a bent to serve to stop and sit. He's just saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take away from Mary the good portion she's chosen right now, which is to sit in my feet and listen. And the Lord invites us both to, to walk in both. We have to sit before we serve. So let's be honest. Wave at me if you're prone to be more like Mary. If sitting and being quiet and peaceful comes naturally to you. Wave at me. Mary's in the room. Come on. Throw your hands up there. All right. Let's see. Look around. The, no, no. Get them high up there, Mary. Let's go. This is a place of honor because we need to learn something from you because I don't know if you know this room, but there's about 12 of them in this room that have an easy time sitting and being still. Now, wave at me if you're like me and you're like Martha and you're like, oh my goodness. Can I just stop for a minute, okay? Look, look, I think that, I don't know if in other countries it's 50-50, maybe our American mindset has thrown us a little unbalanced here, but I'm saying, church, we need to learn from Mary. We need to learn how to sit at the Lord's feet and listen. And if we miss this, we will get distracted with much serving, the dreams that God is trying to entrust to us will then become a distraction of knowing him and sitting at his feet. That is the last thing I believe he wants for this body. Now, I'm a dreamer, and I moved my whole family to the city because God said to, and I'm excited to be a part of God's dreams for this city. And if you missed the message last week, you need to go listen to it because we're standing on the edge of some exciting things. And we're gonna invite you in a couple of weeks into a special Sunday called City of Dreams. And right now, as a church body, our resources do not fund the dreams we have with God. And you may have noticed, we don't pass an offering basket in here. We're not asking for money all the time because we're trusting that as we disciple people in God's heart for generosity, God's heart for finances and tithing and resources, that people who love God want to obey God and we don't have to put a basket in front of you every week and be like, give us your money, give us your money. We will teach and encourage our body in the biblical truths of generosity and tithing and finances, but then a cheerful giver will show up. But on May 22nd, if we can get that slide up there, is there a City of Dreams slide? We're actually going to ask, if you missed last Sunday, just want to put it on your radar again, we're asking everyone that's a part of this church family to take the next couple of weeks and to say, God, is there, uh, is there something you're calling my family to financially to partner with and sacrifice and see your dreams come alive? And I want you to know, Arlena and I, we are looking at our savings account. We're going, God, what are you saying? We're not pulling out the spreadsheets. We're saying, God, we've got this. What are you saying? 
And in two weeks, we're going to show up with a check. And the number on the check is going to be the number he told us, you know. I was talking to one of our, the families before church today who's on our board. And she said, yeah, we're sitting around the table on Friday night with our kids talking about our gift, how we're going to invest in God's dreams. It was beautiful. I'm so encouraged. So I'm like, if, you're, if this is your church home, that's the invitation of where we're going in the next couple of weeks. But we got to pause. Are you with me? And we got to stay in this place of like, it's, it's him first. It is sitting and then it's serving. Cool? So how do we connect with God daily? That's, what we're, that's the, next, the last 10, 15 minutes here is how do we actually practically, like Mary, sit at God's feet daily. And I want to encourage us, you guys know the famous passage from John 15, the vine and the branches. It's, we are, it's an invitation to stay connected. In that passage in John 15, Jesus literally says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, do you think he means that literally? No. Apart from him, you can do a lot of things. And that's kind of convicting if you think about it. You're like, oh my gosh, how many things do I run about do every day that I did apart from him? I did a lot of things today. I heard a Bible teacher say what he's meaning is apart from me, you can do nothing of eternal significance that actually matters in the grand scheme of the kingdom and eternity. We can run around all day long. So the goal here is how do we put our roots in the soil, stay connected to the vine so that the fruit of God's kingdom comes out of our life? And I, I just want to share a couple things real quick before, before I get into this. Um, we are all, disclaimer, we are all wired to connect with God in different ways. There is not a one-size-fits-all. We are all very, very different, and we connect with God very differently. But there are promises in God's word that open principles for connection with him that are the same for all of us. Does that make sense? But before we dive in, I want to give away a couple of books. And so one has got to go to a mom, all right? If you are wanting to learn, it's called, this book is called Sacred Pathways. I didn't write it. I wish I did. It's amazing. And the subtitle is Nine Ways to Connect with God. And what this book does is it unpacks nine different sacred pathways of connecting with God from people that love to be in nature people that connect with God through their senses, people that connect with God through being alone, people that connect with God um, by serving and loving others, people that connect with God through worship and adoration, people that connect with God more with your mind and with meditation. These are pathways for all of us, but we each have a bent. And so I want to do this. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or embarrass you, but if you're like, I need to know how to connect with God more, throw your hand up in the air. I want to give you a book. Come on. Grace Staley. Happy Mother's Day, okay? I got one more. Do I have a newcomer? This is your first time, maybe your second time at Antioch. You're saying, I want to know how to connect with God more. Throw your hand up. Somebody. Somebody. Oh, come on. What's up? Sherry? Here you go. Sweetheart, love you. I'm glad y'all are here. Sacred Pathways. Um, so that's the disclaimer, is that we are all different. And I think for too long in the church, we've demanded that we all try to connect with God in the same way. And so it's a powerful journey when you, go, you start asking the Lord, how have you made me and how do I best connect with you? For me, it's worship. 
It's like, that's just one of the sacred pathways for how God's made me. I wake up every day, I throw a playlist on my iPhone, I hit shuffle, and within about 17 seconds, my hands are raised, and I, am connect, I connect with God pretty easily through worship. For a long time, I thought everybody was just like me. And so I tried to teach everybody how to connect with God through worship. Now, I'm going to do that here in a little bit because it is a principle for all of us. But some of us primarily connect with God through worship and adoration. But I got friends who connect with God primarily through being outside in nature. And they're like, stick me in a building with a bunch of people, and it's hard for me to connect with God. But put me out on the hiking trail, and I'm like in the glory land, you know? That's a good thing to know in your walk with God, right? So um, I want to talk about three promises in God's word that are, that are connected to these three principles for just how to connect with him. Because I believe that the presence of God is connected to his promises. Do you know that this book is full of promises from your father? Where he has spoken things that the Bible literally says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. There are promises in God's word that you can take to the bank. Say, I am cashing this one in today, God. The first one I want to give you, and there's, there's three things we're gonna talk about before we close today. The three things I'm gonna walk us through are, I'm gonna say them first, then we'll walk through them. Get close, say it with me. Get close, Get close. give praise, and listen. Those are three principles we're going to talk about today. Get close, give praise, and listen, all right? James 4, 8, one of my favorite scriptures. This helped me so much as an early believer. It is so simple. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. That's a promise. That is a promise from God, I can't tell you how many people I would encounter over the years, especially oh, there's about five years when I did youth ministry and high school students, we'd be walking and they'd be like, I just feel so far away from God. I just can't feel his presence. He just feels so far. And I would just go, man, I'm sorry. I understand. I've been there before too. Um, have, you, have you tried to spend time with God at all in the past week? Oh, no, man, it's been football practice. I'm, like, super busy. Well, what about, like, in the past month? Have you done anything to, like, like, seek God or get close to God? Oh, you know, man, it's, like, finals. It's just been so busy. Okay, like, last few months, you know, have you, like, drawn near to him? No, man. I'm, like, so, so what you're telling me is you feel, you feel far from God and you've done nothing to draw near to him. Yeah, pretty much. Like, okay, I don't feel bad for you. You're just not obeying God's promise. You're not taking advantage of God's promise. No, so seriously, that, we need to hear that sometimes, right? Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Some of us are hanging out in the desert that he never led us to. Walk on out of that thing. Draw near. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. Thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and I will bring you back. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You, come on, read this one with me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with with all your heart. 
promise. Promise. Check this out. Another promise. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God is not hiding. It's not a game. He's not trying to conceal himself from you. Draw near. Go looking for him. I'm not saying that sometimes the enemy's not throwing hell against you, and there might be some things you've got to battle through, but, and, and we learn in those seasons to go after the Lord with resolve. We learn in those seasons endurance. We learn in those seasons spiritual warfare, but guys, The veil was torn wide open when Jesus died on the cross, and the way is clear. Jesus said, I'm the door. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. The door is open. The veil is torn. There are no limitations to access and have intimacy and connection with God. When you're in Jesus, he's removed all the barriers. Any barriers we set up are on our end, or a failure to act on his promises. You will seek me and find me. Oh, and look, restoration. Oh, man, I will be found by you. And look what happens when you find me. I will restore you. Do you know that the restoration your heart needs and is longing for, it is sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary? That's where it is. It's where it is. So the first one is we got to get close. We got to get Close. Now, here's the thing. I got to say a little something here on this. There is, in one hand, you can't get any closer to Jesus. If you are in Christ, the blood has already made you as close to him as you can possibly be. When you receive Jesus and put your faith in him, you're actually sealed with his spirit inside of you. The Bible teaches. Can't get much closer than him living inside of your chest. Okay, but so when we talk about drawing near, though, I want to define this. We are talking about nearness as the awareness of his presence, of the experience of his presence. And let me, let me go into it like this with my marriage with Arlena. We have been married for 13 years. We can't get any closer in relationship, right? Like, we're married. We're in covenant, like, nobody knows me like she knows me, and, and nobody knows her like I know her. On one way, we cannot get any closer because we're in relationship. You see what I'm saying? But on the other way, if I'm here and she's at our house in Cottonwood Heights, even though right in that moment, still relationally, we can't get any closer relationally, there are steps that I can take to get closer to her proximity, I'm not talking about getting closer to him relationally. You're already his child. He's already in you. If you believe in him, you're already as close to him relationally as you can be. I'm talking about, though, there are steps you can take in relationship to be closer to somebody proximity. Now, I can call her on the phone. Hey, how you doing? Right? And that's a step. I'm just at the church working. How's your day going? Oh, she shares her heart. I share my heart. We kind of connect, right? But it's on the phone. 
And there's a measure of intimacy there, right? But what happens if I take a different step and I decide I'm not gonna seek her with a phone call, I'm gonna seek her with all my heart. I walk down the stairs, step one. I open the door, step two. I go outside and get into my car, step three. I start my car, step four. I fight traffic on I-15 going south, step five. I pull off to go to our neighborhood, step six. We're six, seven, eight steps in of me pursuing her before, just walk, walk up here real quick, babe. You look beautiful. Happy Mother's Day, okay? Now look, check this out. Stay right here, babe. Thanks for drawing near. Phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't see her. I can't read the expressions on her face. I can't smell how good she smells right now. And I definitely cannot touch her. But if I take those steps to draw near to her, and I go in, and, and I knock on the door, and she sees me walk through the door, surprising her. She, oh, I come through that door. I promise, you draw near to me. I will draw near to you. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, hey, there you are, babe. It's not just a phone call. I can touch you. I am now in her presence. I couldn't get any closer to her relationally. We were married the whole time. You see what I'm saying? But through steps of obedience, now, oh, you smell great. You smell great. I can see your beautiful face. I can look into your eyes. And there is a warmth. There's a connection in her nearness. Take a seat, babe. You're amazing. Are you with me, church? So all I'm trying to say is there is an obedience that precedes intimacy with God. Are you with me? Yeah. And if we're not as a community, some of you already got this down. You're like, Chris, it was Sunday morning. I knew I was coming to church today at four o'clock and I got up early on Sunday to spend time alone with God. Some of y'all did that this morning. Some of y'all are really convicted right now because like, that wasn't me. <laughs> no, but look, church, what I'm inviting us to is back to the place of Jesus' feet with Mary to be like, we've got to be this people that are drawing near and getting close because it's in that place that he speaks to us. The second principle I said, say him with me again, get close, give praise, and listen. Give praise is the second one. And I love this because um, we are wired differently, but God commands all of us. And I say command because there's about 150 scriptures that tell us to sing to the Lord. It's not a suggestion. It's telling us to open our mouths and declare who he is to him. And all I know is that there's life and death in the power of my tongue. And if you've ever been around somebody that just complains all the time, you know that that is true. Because being around them feels like you're living around death. You know, it's like not fun to be with somebody that's complaining all the time. The opposite is true. You're around somebody that's super thankful or is always talking about how faithful or good God is. Even when they're going through it, there's, there's a life that comes from our mouth. Psalm 22, one through three says it like this. My God, this is gonna encourage some of you, all right? Listen, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever been there before? That ever been your walk with God? Why are you so far away from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. But look at this. Yet you are holy. In spite of all that, you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Other verses say you're enthroned on the praises of your people. 
the most, some of the most powerful, peaceful, steadfast men and women of God that I have ever known are men and women that have learned when they're in this place <laughs> to worship anyway. That, we're, that when they're in this place, where are you, God? Why so far? Where's my rest? To land, it's okay. God can handle your groaning. God can handle the honesty of, why has it been so hard? Why do I keep coming back to this, Lord? He can handle that. But make sure you land in verse 3. But Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even when I don't feel you, you are who you say you are. And so I declare today, even though I am struggling, Lord, I declare that you are good. I declare today, Lord, even though I cannot see it right now, that you are faithful. Lord, I declare today that even though I feel so broken inside right now, you are the healer, Lord. And I declare today that even though my financial situation or on my life feels like a mess that you are my provider and you are faithful God and you never change and so I'm not going to project my circumstances onto your character I'm gonna stand and give you praise for who you are regardless of where I am right now we get close and we give praise and I honestly, most of my life right now, it's been a tough season. We're doing good. We're, we love being here. But we got five little kids. We've moved the last three summers in a row. 2019, we moved across the city of College Station. 2020, we moved across the state of Texas. 2021 summer, we moved across the nation from Texas to Utah. We had four kids for most of that time, a fifth kid for the last two years of that time. And to say the least, it's been a rocky couple of years for everybody, but most of you are still living in the same house as when it started. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw a pity party for us, but I'm saying we're tired. It's been a rocky road. And most mornings I wake up going, why are you so far? Yet you are holy. And I'm going to enthrone you on my praise, God, right now. And you know what happens? Every time I start to give him praise, regardless of what I felt like when I rolled out of bed that morning to get close, he decides to come in some way, in some measure, because he has a promise that if you draw near to me, Draw near to you. You with me? Third, okay, I got a couple more things to give away. Look, I want to say this. All of us are different in the way we worship and the way that we praise God. I want to say this to us, church. It is not about personality, though. It is about posture. It is not about personality, it's about posture. What do I mean by that? There are seven Hebrew words in the Old Testament for praise. Seven Hebrew words. And all, almost all of them, if not all of them, refer to a physical posture with your body or something coming out of your mouth. It is not, worship is not personality. It is posture. 
And if you've been stuck not knowing how to praise, or you're, and I'm not, again, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but if you're like, I could use some further understanding of how to worship God, throw your hands up, I'm giving these two things away, and we got more of them. Come on, ladies, all right. We got some bold mamas in the room, all right, come on. We have more of those. Email Matt Morley at Antioch SLC. Matt's one of our worship directors, right? Or Hallie Yancey. They would love to talk with you about the seven Hebrew words of praise, all right? All right, worship team, y'all hop up here, and we're going to jump into this last one real quick, all right? We're, we're landing it. Are you guys okay? Is this helpful? Is this encouraging? This is meant not to be discouraged. This is meant to be equipping. This is meant to provide some pathways. Are you with me? This is an important pause for us. We gotta re-anchor in our sitting before our serving. The last thing is, say it with me, get close, close. give praise, praise. listen, listen. Isaiah 55. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You hear the invitation? He who has no money, I know you feel bankrupt. I know you feel empty. Come, buy, eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money. You thirsty? Come on. You don't have any money? Come on. Why do you spend the money you do have for that which is not bread? Why do you toil and labor for that which does not satisfy? Look, look. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And there it is again, delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come here that your soul may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love for David. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. We get close. We understand in that place that worship is a weapon. It is powerful. We enthrone him on our praise regardless of how we're doing. And in that place, God meets with us. But it is important that we understand that there is a feast set before us, rich food, something that is deeply soul-satisfying. And the way that we eat is we listen. And we're not so good at listening, are we? America 2022. It's like we fill every moment of our discretionary time by talking about something. And then we wonder why our souls are starving. There's no condemnation. But we wonder why we're so thirsty. Why our souls are so parched. Can you feel the presence of God in the room even right now? Can you feel that he is near? Can you feel close your eyes in this room. Stay seated because we're here to learn from Mary and sit at the feet of the Lord. I want you right now to rest back in your chair. There are some Marthas in the room right now 
And I want you to know, Martha, I love you and I bless you. And you're a powerhouse servant of the Lord with a hospitality gift on your life that we need in this body. But lay the anxiety down. Man, I'm preaching to myself right now. My wife knows it. Lay it down. Rest at the feet of the Lord. There's a place where we listen. He says, be still and know that I am God. He says, come and delight yourself in abundance. There's a feast. It's really hard to eat a feast when you're up running around, right? But there's a chair at a table with your name on it to sit right now, to sit at his feet. church, the greatest dream is knowing him. The greatest prize is having him. We're just going to sit. Worship team is going to lead us into some response here in a minute. But just sit. Just listen. Just receive. Some of us, are, our souls are thirsty. Maybe you just need to take a drink. Just breathe in. There's freedom from anxiety in this room today. There's freedom for some of us to learn how to sit. We draw near to you, Lord. Thank you for your promise of your nearness.